I'm excited about today as we continue our series about our mission here at Pathway Church. If you missed last week, back up, watch it on YouTube or catch our podcast. Uh, it's real easy to find us, Pathway Church San Diego. That's all you got to type in, and you'll find us on YouTube or um, on podcast app, uh, Google Play or Apple iTunes, any of those. Um, our mission statement is pretty clear. It's pretty um, just straightforward. And I want you to get this down in your outline because we're going to talk about the second part of it today. Helping people follow Jesus through the local church. Come on, say it with me. Helping people follow Jesus through the local church. Now, I don't know what comes to mind when you think of church, but many people view involvement in a church as optional. Um, they ask questions like, is church important? Is church necessary? Now, I, I got to be honest. I think these are the wrong questions to be asking. And when people ask me those questions or, or people, you know, are asking me for someone else that they know, I always challenge their question. I think that we are asking the wrong questions. I think we should ask the question, what does Jesus think about church? I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's really important for us to know what Jesus thinks, right? Right? And, and I think that we need to think about and know what Jesus thinks about Church. So, in a real simplified way, this is not exhaustive, comprehensive in any way, but just a real simplified way, let me show you some things that Jesus thinks about church, how he thinks about church. First, get this on your outline. First and foremost, Jesus launched the church. He launched the church. The idea of church was first introduced by Jesus in Matthew 16. Peter makes this statement of faith in, in Christ. He says, Jesus, you are the Son of God, the Messiah. And then Jesus responds with, upon this rock, I will build my what? Church. This is the first mention of this word church in the New Testament. And through this, we see that church is Jesus' idea. Jesus launched the church. It's his church. Next, instructing families, um, the Apostle Paul writes to husbands. We take a look at this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church. That's a fill in the blank right there. Jesus loves the church. He gave his life for the church because he loves the church. Paul continues in Ephesians 5.28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as, get this one, Christ cares for the church. It's really clear right there. We see, get that down. Jesus cares for the church. I'm moving really quickly because I want you to get these right up front. Next, I want you to get this one down. Jesus gives gifts to the church. He gives gifts. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the what? Church. Church. So, so he gives these five gifts, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, all those. And then he says the, these people are supposed to equipped, uh, equip God's people to build up the church, to help the church move forward, to help what God wants to accomplish on planet earth to move forward. And lastly, get this one down, Jesus is connected to the church. He's connected to the church. Well, you, you can't get away from this one. I mean, look at what Paul says in Colossians 1. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. 
Man, that's pretty clear, isn't it? He is connected to the church. He says in Ephesians 1, the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ. It's his body. Now, what's interesting is when the the word church is used in the New Testament, when Jesus used it, it comes from a particular Greek word. You may have heard this before. I've taught this before here at uh, Pathway Church. It's the word ekklesia. Come on, say it with me. Ekklesia. It's a really interesting word. Uh, It means a gathering of people that are called out. That's what it means in the Greek. So so the root meaning, and that's what you want to get down, the root meaning of the word church is a gathering of people, not a place. So it's about people, not a place. So often we say, I'm going to go to church. Or that building or that place, that's my church. As if it's a um, a, a location, a place. No. Sometimes, I, I don't even go into it here, but sometimes we say, well, um, you know, we're going to have church as if it's an event. Like, like this service is church. No. Not according to the Bible, not according to the New Testament, not according to Jesus, not according to Paul. The church is a gathering of people. It's all about the people. So turn to the person next to you, look them in the eye and say, you are my church. You are, you are. We are together, church together. Everybody follow that? It's not a place, it's people. It's actually easy to see. There's a passage, there's several passages, but Romans 16, I love this one. The Apostle Paul is greeting all kinds of different people in in this chapter, this letter that he wrote to the the believers in Rome, and he's greeting all of these people. Notice what he says in verse 3. Paul says, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. So he's, he's saying, hey, greet these people. I've, I've written this letter. Please, you know, do a shout out to Aquila and Priscilla. They have really helped me. They are part of my ministry. Then look what he says. I am thankful for them. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Do you see it? People, place. The church that meets in their home. It's really clear. God's purpose is to gather a group of people called the church. This word church shows up most in the New Testament in the book of Acts. If you've ever read read the book of Acts, I encourage you to do that. I like people to really start like usually like the book of John and learn about Jesus and then just slide right into the book of Acts because then you find out a lot about the church and who we are supposed to be as followers of Jesus and what's going on. Take a look at Acts 1. This is a great story. You may know this story, but I want to hit this really quickly. We read this. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, Jesus appeared to the apostles and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Once when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave. In fact, you could write on that if you want to write in your outline. Just write the word wait. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Do not leave Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, Jesus says, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you, my followers, beyond the walls of Jerusalem to share the message about me to people who need to hear it. And what happens next? Jesus leaves planet earth. Like, like right before their eyes, he leaves. He, he says this, he, he gives them this commission, and then he leaves. He, he leaves, and 
what follows next is exactly what Jesus told the believers to do. Take a look. The apostles returned to Jerusalem. They waited. They went to the upstairs room in the house where they were staying. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. And so about a week later, we read that on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So they were still, a week later, meeting together. They were gathering together and meeting together for prayer, constantly united in prayer. Now keep in mind, this is during a time, the day of, of Pentecost, it's a celebration, a Jewish celebration, where thousands of people would come into the city for this Jewish celebration, and all the believers were together meeting in one location, one place, and it says suddenly there was a sound like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation in Jerusalem. When, the, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were be, be, bewildered to hear um, their own languages being spoken by these believers. They were completely amazed. They were saying, how can this be? We all hear these people speaking in our own languages. It was about 15 different languages that the writer Luke includes in this text that I don't have right here for you. You can read it on your own. But they, they were talking about God in their own languages, and they stood there perplexed, and they said, what can this mean? How can this happen? And so Peter steps up, and he explains by preaching a sermon to the crowd. Acts 2 has that whole sermon. And what's the result? We look at verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And so Peter says, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. And so what then happens? Verse 41, this is big. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the, what? Church, ecclesia, that day. Now, I don't know about you, but the last couple of words there grabbed my attention, about 3,000, because I'm thinking logistics. I'm thinking, man, what was their children's ministries like? If, if 3,000 people were added overnight, man, can you imagine being a children's volunteer in that kid's class that day, <laughs> this was a crazy day, right? Three, and I'm thinking even, how do you baptize 3,000 people? How, how long would that take? Wow. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the, what? Church, ecclesia. They became part of the church. They believed the message of Jesus. They became part of the church. And then the next verse tells us what happened. Nowhere do we get a better look, a closer look at God's desire for the church than right here, Acts 2.42. All the believers, now we're backing up and we're saying, how many? All of them that now include that 3,000 that were added. So we don't know really how many, but we know that the, that the, the apostles were gathering together and then it says that there were some women and Jesus' brothers and his mom and they were gathering together and, and then researchers believe that maybe there was about a hundred or so people that were gathering together and then boom, all of a sudden on that one day they added 3,000, so now we're at least 3,100 people that are gathering together, devoting themselves, look what it says, to the apostles' teaching. 
This teaching is an interesting word, didache, in the Greek. It's, it means a teaching of Scripture by God's leaders. It's a very specific biblical teaching. And we can assume that the apostles' teaching involved the teachings of Jesus, right? I mean, let me ask you, how important is it for you to know what Jesus taught? It's really important. I mean, Jesus tells us, if you obey my teaching, you are truly my followers. Look what he says here. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you see how it works? If you obey, then you follow. Then you know the truth, and it will set you free. But you won't know the truth and be free if you don't obey. And how do you obey? You got to know. Everybody follow that? you got to understand it. It's got to be taught to you. It's extremely important for us to know Jesus' teaching. That's why here at Pathway Church, we focus a lot on what Jesus taught. It's because that's the only way that you're going to be able to do what he says. It's the only way that you're going to be able to obey. Makes sense. And I believe that, without a doubt, the best place to learn what Jesus said is in a gathering with followers who are learning together what Jesus said. I mean, we're... Where else do you get a heavy dose of God's teaching? Now, you may be a person, a a follower of Jesus that studies God's word on your own, and you may dig into it and and all of that, and you may have apps on your phone, you may have books that you use, you know, whatever you do. You may do it on a daily basis, a weekly basis, whatever. But I believe that God uses the church in my life to push me forward in knowing his teaching. And helping me know and understand and apply that. And so that's one of the focuses that we have here. Um, I, I would love for you to get this down. I can learn about, or learn rather, what Jesus taught with my church. I can learn what Jesus taught with my church. Now some people say, well I watch sermons online or I watch a TV preacher or whatever and that's how I get all the Bible teaching that I need. And I've had people say that. So that's why I don't go to church. I just watch it online or I watch it on TV, whatever. And, I, and I'm all for listening to gifted teachers and preachers online. I mean, I do it all the time. I listen to them when I'm walking my dog. I listen to podcasts when I'm at the gym. Um, my family, we, we gather every Saturday night. And if we're not just taking a time to share and pray together, we're watching a sermon online. And, and so we, we do that all the time. But there is, I believe, an inherent problem if this is your primary source of getting Jesus' teaching into your life. If it's not just a supplemental source. I believe in it as a supplemental source. But, a, but if it's a primary source, I think there are two things that can happen. And I say this out of personal experience. Okay, the two things that can happen are a lack of attention or pick and choose. Now, I'm explain that to you. Because we're listening, my family, we're listening on Saturday nights, watching, um, you know, uh, someone preach or teach online on a device. We're not always giving our full attention. Everybody knows what I'm talking about on that. You don't always, you don't always give 100% of your attention to something that you're watching on a screen. I mean, if, as my family is watching teaching online in our house, if the dogs bark, our attention goes. If someone has to use the bathroom and gets up and walks out of the room, our attention goes. If the phone rings, our attention goes. We're no longer paying attention to what's on the screen. We're paying attention to what's happening, kind of like church. But anyway, um, that was a joke, by the way. (laughs) Um, We lose attention. Uh, My my daughter, um, when her and her husband moved to Atlanta and they were 
um, kind of looking for churches and stuff. They, there were a couple of weeks where they decided, we're just going to watch today. And so they watched online. And Shannon said to me, I said, how's that going? I was not, a, I was not for this because she was making it a primary source. But, you know, as, as your kids get older, you become a coach. And so I was just watching how I was going to present this to her and not tell her what to do, but help her work to what I thought she should do. Everybody follow me on that? I said, how did it go? She goes, oh, it sucked. I said, what do you mean? She said, because everything, everything happened. I mean, Elijah had to do his thing, and then we hear a noise, and then we get hungry, we go to the fridge, we come back. And I said, did you pause it? He goes, no, I didn't pause it. And so you miss like all, that, that's what, you're in your pajamas. Oh, it's great, I'm in my pajamas. No, it's not, because you may fall asleep again. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. We are people who watch screens all the time, and how many of us really give our full attention to something we're watching on a screen? I would say very, very few of us. We get distracted, right? And I think there's something about gathering together that's, that's important here. It's, it's a primary source. We, we can lose attention. The other thing is before my family watches teaching online, you know what we do? We scroll through several teachers to see which one we want to watch. And why do you think we pick a certain one we want to watch? It's because it sounds good. Sounds interesting. I mean, if you, if you, you know, listen to podcast sermons or TV preachers or whatever as your only source, you have a tendency to pick and choose what you want to watch and listen to, right? I mean, not necessarily what you need to hear to grow and mature and change. It's just what you listen to. And so you scroll through and you go, oh, that one sounds good. You see another one, and you go, oh, no, I don't, want, I don't want to watch that one. That sounds boring. Or, or oh, no, that's, that's too close to what I'm dealing with right now. And we don't say that out loud, but that's what we think a lot of the times. I mean, I, I do that on my phone. When I'm getting ready to step onto the treadmill, I, I look through my phone, and I'm just scrolling through, seeing what I want to listen to. And I only listen to what grabs my attention. Why? Because it's a supplementary source for me. Um, chances are you won't choose to watch something about a sinful habit in your life, even though God's word needs to address that in your life. We scroll right past it. We pick and choose. See how that works? The Apostle Paul says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people. It's kind of interesting. I think you can almost take those last two words, his people, actually the last word, his people, and you could substitute the word church, ecclesia. God uses his word to prepare us. That's why you and I, we need to gather with others who are learning so that the topics we want and the topics we need are covered in an environment that will help us pay attention, right? We're, we're not, most of us at least, are not going to come to church in our pajamas. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong in that, but we're, we're going to have a little bit more um, meaningful approach to it, right? We're, we're going to come in and pay attention, and if we're not paying attention, somebody's going to nudge us in the ribs to wake us up, right? It's, it's just that's the way it works. We we're, we're here together, and we want to grow and learn 
together. I could talk about this all day, but that, I think this is important for us to see. We live in a world that is pushing more and more for online experiences, and I'm all for that, and I love tech, okay? Just come to my house, you'll see. But I think it, in, in regards to church, I think it needs to be supplementary. Um, keep reading. All the believers devoted themselves in the, to the apostles' teaching and to, read it with me, fellowship. Sadly, we misunderstand fellowship. You know what we think fellowship is in church? We think fellowship is hanging out with Christians and eating food with them right? Which is good, right? I'll give that a thumbs up. I'll take that. That's that's a good thing. But the word fellowship actually comes from a Greek word, koinonia. And koinonia means to share in common with each other. We read a good description of this just a few verses later in verse 44. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. That's interesting. Shared everything, that phrase, comes from the Greek word koinos which is the root of koinonia, the Greek word, which means, help me out here, fellowship. So, so Luke, the writer, is saying all the believers met together and they were sharing together. They were koinoneing, koinoneing, koinoneing. I don't know what you would say, to each other, right? They were experiencing koinonia together. They were sharing in common. It says in verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared, the same word, koinos, shared the money with those in need. Fellowship is when we do everything we can to help others. Fellowship is all about showing how much we care for each other. Fellowship is all about practically meeting others' needs. This is something that God intends to be fulfilled through the church. In fact, get this down. I can experience love and care from my church. That's the way it's designed. Next, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Most people don't think of sharing a meal as an essential part of the group experience in the early church, but it was. I mean, to the core, it was. I find it interesting that the Lord's Supper is mentioned here. Communion is, is combined with sharing meals, maybe because scholars say that, you know, c- celebrating um, the Lord's Supper, they did it in the early church, they did it around meals. But I think it's even more than that. As, as we talked about in our Taste and See series, have you ever thought about how many times Jesus had a meal with people? I mean, read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll see Jesus was eating all the time. I mean, he ate with people so much that the religious leaders, uh, they accused Jesus of being a glutton, of, of eating too much, of always eating with people. In fact, they said he eats with tax collectors and sinners, the worst of the worst. Jesus even told us, think about this, with the Lord's Supper, he told us to remember him in a meal. Wow. So Jesus is setting this pattern so a meal continued to be the normal setting in which believers would meet together. And in verse 46, we read this. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and look at here, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. I think sharing a meal together is at the heart of what it is to be a church. Sharing a meal together is at the core of what it means to be his church. 
When we eat together, we experience what it is to be the church. It's a cultural thing. Now, I know we've lost that kind of in our modern-day culture, but meals are designed to be a bonding time, to be a relating time. It's exactly what the early church was doing. They were becoming a people group. They were bonding together. And friends, come on, all of us need people, a people group to belong to. We need regular connection with people. Some of us, we, you don't go to um, Pathway Church lunches that we do occasionally, usually about once a month. We have them at local restaurants uh, on Sundays right after our worship together. If you don't go, you're missing out, I believe, on what Jesus is doing here at Pathway Church among us. You are missing out on what Jesus wants to do in your life. You say, well, it's just eating food. No, it's not just eating food. In fact, it's not about the food at all. When we eat together, we experience what it means to be a church. See, for whatever reason, and I don't know why it is, but in church, we think that this, this setting, this environment, is church. And we don't relate, we don't connect, we look at the backs of each other's heads. When all along Jesus designed his church to be together. In fact, all, all the things we're talking about in Acts chapter 2 that the church did, it's, they're corporate things. They're together things. Jesus designed everything for his church to be done together. Why? Because we need a people group to belong to. You and I do. We need to know that there are people that we can share with. Now, you may not sit over a cheeseburger at Habit and share your deepest, darkest, darkest secrets that day. But you are opening up the opportunity where if you need someone, if you have something that comes in your life, where you need someone else's input, you need someone else's prayer, you need someone else's support, you have opened up those doors and you can make a call or a text. I've got people like that in my life. I mean, I'm not saying that every moment we get together, we're, we're just sharing our souls. That's not a guy thing anyway. But we're, we're not doing that. That, that. You know, But I know that when I'm hurting, there are some guys right here in this church that I can text or call and say, hey, can you pray for me? I'm having a hard week. All of us need that. We need a place to belong. I want you to get this down. I can connect with my church during a meal. And lastly, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to sharing of meals, the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Huh. Prayer is from the Greek word prosuke, which refers to public group prayers. Praying to God in worship. This is not talking about private alone prayers. This is talking about praying together in a group. The church was originally launched in a prayer meeting. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. We already read it in Acts 1. It was launched. What were they doing? They were constantly united in what? Prayer. And miracles happened because followers of Jesus were praying together. And then we see this result in verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And each day, notice this, each day the Lord added those who were being saved. Wow. I don't know about you, but I think we could use a few miracles like that right here at Pathway Church. 
I'm ready for that. I know the needs in your life and in my life, they're real. They're real. The needs in your family, they're real. The needs in our church, they're real. The needs in churches around, I'm going to talk a little bit later at our meeting in just a few minutes of other churches. The needs of other churches are very real. The needs are real in our community. How many of you know the needs are real in our nation right now? God wants to meet those needs through the church. Hmm. But we need to become committed to praying together, don't we? Praying for each other, praying for our church, praying for our community. When was the last time you prayed for somebody here at Pathway Church? When was the last time you prayed for Pathway Church? When was the last time you prayed for our community and for our outreach to our community? When was the last time you prayed? Get this down. I can pray with others from my church. You say, Bart, I struggle in praying. You know what the great thing about praying together is you don't have to do all the heavy lifting by yourself. I mean, when you pray together, you say, oh, I don't know, it's a real stretch, you know, for me to be that kind of, I'm, not a, I'm an introvert, I'm not an extrovert, I'm not, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, when you can pray, when you get a friend and you, you, you know, you make a friend over a meal, like I just talked about, and you get to know somebody, and then, and then it's real easy, you can do it like through a text. I got, I got somebody that I pray with during, through a text right now. And, and so we just text back and forth what we're praying about. Can you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you, and blah, blah, blah. And, and so we're building this relationship. You can pray together, face-to-face. You can pray as a group. There's something about this, this prayer experience together that changes things. It has for me, because years ago, I used to struggle with praying, too. I would get distracted. I would get bored. I mean, I was not a prayer warrior in any means. I still am not that. I, I, I want to be a person who prays more, and I'm, and I'm pushing, leaning into that in my life right now. But there's something about praying together that I can't get on my own. And the, the great thing is experiencing the results when you pray together and something happens. I mean, you guys don't know this. He already shared it. I'll just tell you a behind-the-scenes thing here. When Caleb was giving announcements up here a few minutes ago and he got emotional on us, you know what he was getting emotional about? He, he was the one dealing with the lighting issue. You don't know this, but he had to take off the software and reload the software on our lighting to get things working today. We, he didn't know what was going on. He's our tech director. And I saw him struggling with it, and Anthony was back there, and I walked back there, and I said, guys, let's pray about this. So we grabbed hands, the three of us, and we prayed for our computer. <laughs> so God... We don't know what's going on. You've got you to fix this. You've got to use our insight, our wisdom, our skill set right now to fix this because we really need this. And here we are going over our songs before service and bing, the lights come up. And we know, we know that it was God moving. And I believe it was God answering prayer. Yeah, he's using us. He's using Caleb and Anthony and Aaron in the booth. He's using them. 
But I believe that God answered prayer. And the cool thing is the three of us now, we know God fixes lights. Now, you may not even experience that, but for us, that's a big deal. God fixes lights. So guess what? The next time we have an issue with our lights, who do you think we're going to go to? Me and Anthony and Caleb, we're going to grab hands and say, let's pray. Because it builds faith. When, when we see God answering our prayers, I'm way off my notes, sorry, Anthony. But when we see God answering our prayers together, oh, man, it changes our faith, grows us. So to wrap off, let's read it together one more time. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. The part that grabs me, all the believers devoted themselves devoted themselves. Devoted is a very strong word in the New Testament. It comes from a Greek word. I've been giving you this all week, or all week. I've been thinking about it all week. I've been giving it to you all morning today. Um, this, this Greek word that this, that this comes from, our English word devoted, it, it means to lean hard into, to be actively engaged in, to do with intense effort, to give constant attention to. So, so they were devoted to learning together through exposure to teaching. They were devoted to connecting together through doing life together. They were devoted to sharing together through meals and communion. They were devoted to praying together for their church and their community. Not a temporary thing, not intermittent, not sporadically. This was an ongoing way of life, week in, week out, learning, connecting, sharing, praying together, learning, connecting, sharing, praying together. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is this, can I honestly say that I am devoted to Pathway Church in that way? Because devoted speaks about commitment, and it speaks about frequency, and it speaks about priority. Devoted means that you will make Pathway Church regular in your schedule. Devoted means that you will make Pathway Church a priority in your life. And I think this is something that needs to change in us.